Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. When Bria Suggs and Corey Antonio Rose first moved here to the Bay to study journalism at UC Berkeley, it was a bit of a culture shock. Corey Antonio, who moved here from Florida, lives in Berkeley now. Coming from a place where, you know, I was very deeply rooted in Black communities, um, Black schools, Black churches, Black politics, Black sports, all of it. My first impression was, wow, it's a lot of white folks here. Bria, who's from the Midwest, felt a little bit of that Minnesota nice energy here. People acting as if you're not even there, that they don't see you, that you don't exist. But at the same time, though, I do see, like, elements of Black history and Black culture here in the Bay. Elements that are not always so obvious in a city like Berkeley, where in the first half of the 20th century, Black Americans were redlined to the South and West sides. But South Berkeley was once a thriving Black community, brimming with Black businesses. And we know this thanks to a group of Black Berkeley residents who hold the Berkeley Black History Walking Tour. As gentrification took hold in South Berkeley, I think they saw what I saw, which is a lot of people just walking through not knowing the history of where they live and not necessarily caring either. As we remember the historical contributions of Black Americans this Juneteenth, Corey and Bria take us into the work of the South Berkeley Legacy Project, which is dedicated to remembering the contributions of Black Berkeley residents all year round. And we'll take a tour through the Black South Berkeley that they once knew. Stay with us. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. 
donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. You both came here to do journalism, and it's also how you found out about this Black history tour. I mean, first, what exactly is it? What is the the purpose of it? It is an extension of the South Berkeley Legacy Project, which was started by Black community members in South Berkeley to really preserve the histories that were really going unseen and unheard of. As gentrification took hold in South Berkeley, I think they saw what I saw, which is a lot of people just walking through not knowing the history of where they live and not necessarily caring either. What it did for me as somebody who lives in the neighborhood was really just put like a whole new fancy pair of glasses on the the way I see the neighborhood. This is Saturday morning, and there are many things that you could be doing, including just being at home warm and cozy. So thank you. A little bit about the history of this walk. I was born and brought up in Berkeley. So Tina Jones-Williams has been leading these Black History walking tours for about six years now. And the tour that Corey and I went on in February was the first in about a three-year hiatus since COVID. She grew up in South Berkeley in the 60s. And actually, my family home will be passing there on the tour. And actually was like a part of the first desegregated class at Garfield Junior High before she went to Berkeley High. What kicked off um, like her starting this tour was the series that she wrote, the Julia Street series. And they all sort of pay homage to the upbringing that I had here in South Berkeley. Along the way, after I had written the books, I decided that I was going to do a walking tour. It was a really rich experience to hear the stories of Black people who were here, just knowing that there were Black people here, they had rich, beautiful lives, and it's just unfortunate due to like gentrification that they're no longer here. Despite um, like that kind of tinge of sadness, the stories were still really beautiful. Is this cool? Yeah. Much better. Oh, okay. Uh, my name is Carol Davis Kennerly. I've served on the city council. I've retired now, but I served on the, the council for about eight years, first African-American woman, thanks to Mr. Rumford and a lot of the others who got behind me and my candidacy. When we think about legacy, and specifically like Black folks' legacy within Berkeley, William Byron Rumford Sr. is someone who, in the eyes of many Black Berkeley citizens, kicked all of it off. We got to talking about how sad it was that he had seemed to be forgotten. He had his hands in city politics. He had his hand in state politics. On a national scale, he's known for 
being the first African-American elected to the state legislator from Berkeley. He's known for his fair housing advocacy, which ended up influencing national policy. But in South Berkeley specifically, he was everybody's favorite pharmacist. (laughs) You know, you would go down to his pharmacy and as Carol Davis Kennerly, who was Berkeley's first black vice mayor, as she put it, you know, you would never leave without getting a nugget of wisdom. I think that's what makes that statute over there more than just a statue. It says something about the heart as well as the mind of the people in South Berkeley. And I know part of the tour was actually going to Rumford Pharmacy itself. Bria, I know you also met William Rumford III, who's actually the grandson of Byron Rumford. What did he tell you? In 1951, Grandpa moved over here to open this. It was really cool to hear this grandson talk about his grandfather in such awe. But Grandpa was a special guy. If delivery boy didn't show up, deliveries were done on bikes then. He didn't show up, Grandpa would deliver medicine to the people at home. In the pharmacy, they had copies of like the original black newspapers. We carried things that couldn't be found elsewhere. I mean, we had the Black Dispatch, the Chicago Defender, um, Louisiana Sentinel. And then we also had exclusive line of black hair products. Important people within the black community enjoyed going to um, Rumford Pharmacy. Like this is where lawyers went. This is where clergy went. It was respected. A lot of judges worked here. A lot of attorneys worked here. This was the place to be. This was the place to work. I honestly wish that I could have seen it like in its prime. It sounded like a really cool place to be. It sounds like Rumford's pharmacy was like so much more than a pharmacy, which I feel like is what many of these places are, just like more than what they look like on the outside. When you're talking about a community in which Black folks don't own that much space, then it forces the spaces that we do have to serve multiple purposes. Yeah. Can you talk, Corey, about how Reed's Records functioned in the same way? Reed's Records. (laughs) Uh, Reed's Records was a record store that is also on Sacramento Street, founded in 1945, and it closed as of 2019. Um, But at the time it closed in 2019, it was the oldest record shop in California and one of the oldest Black-owned businesses in that area. We had one purpose when we came down here, and it was to go to Reed's Records. (laughs) Um, My mother was a huge jazz fan. Tina had a story about Basically how when they were younger, they would scrounge up their allowances and run to Reed's Records and buy a 45. But from the time that I can remember being able to walk, we walked down here to get records with her. I see Reed's Records as sort of like that one, another cultural space. You know, you get your Aretha Franklin record and you, and you know what's going on in the music scene. Bria, I want to ask you about one of the last places that you all visited on the tour, 
which was Kramer's. I know this was one of the highlights, too, for the both of you. But can you talk about this place and why it stood out from all the others? That definitely was, I think... I'm not going to speak for you, Corey, but I think it was our favorite moment of the tour. Oh, it was. That was my favorite moment. And that was just because of how funny and relatable their conversation was to see these ladies so excited talking and sharing memories of this beauty salon where you would go in at nine, you wouldn't come out until five when the sun had set. You remember Kramer's? Yes. I don't think there is a black woman alive in Berkeley who did not either go to Kramer's or know someone that did, yeah. It was very iconic in the day. What so, was the tea? What happened at Kramer's? Oh, everything happened at Kramer's. <laughs> the least of it was getting your hair done. <laughs> My favorite part of the Kramer's story, actually, is the fact that the way that they got you to stay, because, you know, you were there literally all day, was they would wash your hair first and then just leave you sitting there and go work on other people. So you would just be sitting there with wet hair because once your hair is wet, you're not going anywhere. So although like evil, it's kind of genius. <laughs> so you're there until, until. I was there until 11 o'clock one night. See? <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? And, and, and it's true, that's a true fact. And you went back, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hearing like the joy in their voices and hearing the laughter and like, I could tell that these spaces meant something to them. And it made me sad that, you know, I can't walk into Kramer's Beauty today and witness that sort of joy. I mean, it's why the walking tour itself, I think, is so important, because some of these things are lost in the archives. Mm. And, you know, you can find a lot of it online, but the stuff about Kramer's Beauty is really hard to find because mm. it was one of those things that just existed in community. And when yeah. it was gone, it was gone. The tour actually ends back at the William Byron Rumford Sr. statue. What was the mood like when you wrapped up? And I'm also curious, like, how are you feeling at the end of this tour and after learning all this about the neighborhood that you lived in? I don't think I'd ever thought of myself as proud to live in Berkeley. Hmm. And so after the tour... I think I walked away with a sense of, of a greater sense of belonging because it, I realized I wasn't just existing in a silo. I wasn't existing in a vacuum of time and space where black people had never existed before. But after hearing all the stories, hearing how things connected to each other and how the people who were on the tour really sort of found connection, like I think the fact that they remember these things and that they're no longer here is now a source of connection, but also a source of sadness for them and how they were able, they're still finding community in those memories was really heartening to me because it made me feel like I wasn't alone. I I had a kind of a lot of feelings. I mean, kind of relating back to what we were saying earlier in terms of like, who does Tina do this for? I definitely feel like not only is she doing this to like serve the community, but also I feel like in a way, like honor those who have been in these spaces and unfortunately were pushed out. I feel like she, like you said, is trying to remind people of what once was. Just because you don't see it now doesn't mean that it wasn't there before. And it kind of, 
it makes me want to preserve these spaces all the more. I mean, I feel like I just walk a little bit taller when I'm walking through the neighborhood now because it feels like I belong to something. It feels like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm carrying on a legacy just by my presence here that was started decades and decades ago that people fought to preserve. People fought for me to have space in this community. And so why not, you know, walk with your head up and your feet forward? Well, uh, I want to thank you both so much for joining us on the show and sharing your reporting with us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having us. It's always a pleasure on the day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say, but I'm just going to say thank you for tell, having tell us. Tell them you'll be back. That's what I did. And it worked. <laughs> there we go. Yes, I'll be back soon. The next Black History walking tour will happen on September 23rd at 10 a.m., if folks would like to participate, you can email Zach at TWCMIH.org. And if people want to connect with the South Berkeley Legacy Project, you can find their Facebook page, which we will link to in our show notes. That was Bria Suggs, a journalist at UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism, and Corey Antonio Rose, a producer with It's Been a Minute, a pop culture podcast from NPR that you can find wherever you found the bay. This 50-minute conversation with Corey and Bria was cut down and edited by our intern, Jalen Herdman. Producer Maria Esquinka pitched this episode, scored it, and added all the tape. Our editor was Alexander Gonzalez. And I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening to The Bay. I'll talk to you next time. Just because you don't see it now doesn't mean that it wasn't there before. Mm. And Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just hit. <laughs> Sorry, that was my one nugget of wisdom. You only get one per day. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.